The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode is brought to you by Ritual. So we all know I'm a human guinea pig and I have been trying Ritual for like the past five months and loving it. I just brought it on vacation and I would put it right by my toothbrush and take two every single morning. So Ritual is this vegan, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free and allergen-free vitamin. 95% of women do not get the vitamins and minerals they need on a daily basis. So Ritual created a smarter vitamin with the nine essential ingredients women lack most. Go to ritual.com slash skinny to get yours today. Choose clean ingredients backed by science and sign up now. That's ritual.com slash skinny. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha. It's not a good memory, but yeah, they knock on the door. So what does that look like when you're, okay, so you're at home with your children. Yeah. The FBI knocks on your door. Yeah. What, what's the first thought that goes through your mind? Well, I open the door and they, they say your name and they say, um, they say your name. They say is that you and I go, yes. And the first thing I say is, I don't know what my husband did, but he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> I am literally, I'm copying that. So, yeah. And so that started a whole crazy legal battle welcome back welcome back to the skinny confidential him and her show if you are new to the show thank you for joining that clip was from our guest of the show today ingrid de Lamar. we are going to get into it today for those of you who are new to the show and don't know me i'm michael bostic i'm a serial entrepreneur and brand builder most recently the ceo of dear media which is a new kind of podcast network marrying the digital world to the audio space If you guys are looking for great shows, you can search Dear Media in the Apple Podcast Store and see all of the new shows that we are constantly adding to the roster. We are going fast. There's a lot of really, really, really talented people on the network. So check them out. And I'm Lauren Everett, Michael's wife. I'm the creator of The Skinny Confidential, which is a blog, a brand, a YouTube channel, and obviously a podcast. And today, we're super excited to interview Ingrid. But first, I feel like we should talk about our vacation and Jordan's wedding and, of course, Michael's speech that he made this weekend that he's asked me 850 times if I liked. Well, our voices are a little bit hoarse because we just got off of a two-week, much-needed vacation. We were in Europe in the south of France and then on a boat with some friends in Croatia. Never been to Croatia before. We were doing the Game of Thrones tour um, and a lot of other tours that had nothing to do with anything productive. Um, So that was fun. And then my sister's wedding. And yes, my voice is a little bit hoarse because I've been speaking and screaming and drinking. We we get it. You've been speaking. You did a speech. And like a million shots of tequila have ripped my throat out. Yeah, we're going to go a little bit clean for alcohol. I feel like we need a break from alcohol. I need a lot of vegetables. My voice is shot. Um, we went away for two weeks, like Michael said, and the second we got off the plane, we went back to work. And then right after that, it was straight to Jordan's wedding. Um, it started on Thursday and ended yesterday, which is Sunday. So we've had four days of celebration. You need a a glass of water, buddy. You're a little bit hoarse. No, babe. I've been hoarse all weekend. And maybe some greens to get your skin back in order. You need a, you need a little help. You could use a green or two too. Before we talk about our vacation, I wanted to tell you about some things that were waiting for us when we got back. Of course, it was from Thrive Market. I love efficiency. You know this. While I was on vacation, Thrive Market had all my healthy food and snacks ready to go the second I was back. They also had a bunch of beauty items waiting for me. 
I just actually ran out of the Aztec healing clay. So when I got back, there was a big tub of this. If you guys have not tried this, you have to check out my store on Thrive Market. Basically, it's this tub of this Indian healing clay and it sucks out all the impurities of your skin. I really, really like this if I have zits and when I'm traveling, I'm constantly getting zits and blackheads. So this is really great. You just mix it with a little bit of apple cider vinegar and some water and put it all over your face. So that was waiting for me. I also had my order of organic ketchup. There's this brand I like. It's on Thrive. Uh, it's, it's the best ketchup ever and we're always running out. So I had that waiting for me. We also had our liquid aminos by Bragg's. If you haven't tried this, use this instead of soy sauce, okay? So if you're making sushi or cauliflower rice, the liquid aminos is insane. And then of course I had my sweet and salty kettle corn popcorn. This is so insane. You could even add some dark chocolate chips to this popcorn. It's so good to mix it together for like a little dessert. I have all these things in my store on Thrive Market. So I also ran out of two things while I was traveling and it was amazing to have it there the second I came back. I ran out of jojoba oil. I think I'm saying that wrong. How do you say that, honey? Jojoba. I use that to remove my makeup. And so that was waiting for me. And then I've been obsessed lately with peppermint organic essential oil. So if you want to check out everything I got while I was on vacation, go to thrivemarket.com slash skinny. And they're offering you guys 25% off your first order with free shipping and a one month trial. So that's thrivemarket.com slash skinny. So yes, back from a much needed vacation, a little bruised, a little beaten. Voices are a little bit raspy. Hopefully it's not driving you guys too nuts. And then right into my sister's wedding. She is a married woman now, gone no longer my responsibility. Not that she was. Jordan Becerra. Jordan Becerra. Yes. They had a lovely wedding. It was so pretty. It started out on Thursday with a rehearsal dinner. And uh, Nico, her husband now, gave the coolest speech. Um, and then we danced. And then the next day, it was spin class. We did a bride ride for Jordan. Um, lots of rosé while we were spinning. And then the day after was her wedding. It was a beautiful wedding. Uh, lots of white, chic. She looked stunning. She did a cape dress, which I was obsessed with, and then changed in to a sparkly jumpsuit. And I had to be put to bed at 1130 because I had too many shots of tequila, yeah, unfortunately. You were lit up. Listen, it's only, hopefully it's only one time your younger sister gets married. You know what? You know what was creepy though? I did order $62 of McDonald's to the and house. And you know what's even creepier is you passed out and then I ate that McDonald's in the dark so I actually ate a couple burgers in the dark while I was watching Real Housewives. So it's been a that. long, long couple of weeks of cheat meals. There's nothing better than a kid's meal, just cheese and meat with a Diet Coke and fries. Just yes. nothing better. You like a number two, though. You're more of a number two guy. Well, number two can vary in different things. A lot of people, a lot of you guys know I used to work at McDonald's when I was a teenager. So number one was Big Mac. Number two was the, double, the two cheeseburger meal. There's so something addicting, addicting about their soda. There's something, What what is going on with their soda? I'm it's not even good. a soda person. It's just good. Ugh. I think a lot of this audience isn't McDonald's fans, but deep little known secret about me, I love McDonald's. I just have to we know. curb that love. We know. Do you want to tell everyone about your speech real quick? Um, I feel like it's not going to be that good if you weren't there, obviously, but I did a whole speech, very <laughs> loving. I My my sister's um, new family is Peruvian, so I did half the speech in Spanish, full Spanish. Didn't think you knew I could do that, Lauren. And then I switched back. You know, she, she started crying. I had a lot of laughs. So yeah, I'm a um, 
great wedding speaker. How many times did you ask me if I liked the speech? Well, I wanted to get your feedback. So. Wow, did you ever want to get my feedback? <laughs> I, re- I replayed the videos. I, a lot of a lot of laughs. So, um, if you need to book me for a wedding speech, um, contact Lauren. Hit her up in the DMs. You she, could have done a couple more pauses, if I'm being honest. <laughs> How was that for a pause? Okay. All right, let's introduce Ingrid. Some of you guys know Ingrid from the Skinny Confidential. If you don't, definitely check out her two posts on the blog. So just a little backstory for you. I have stalked Ingrid online for years, like six years, which is nuts. One night I was on Instagram and one of my friends, shout out to Nina of Romp Clothing, had posted a picture of Ingrid. And I saw this beautiful woman that was tall and lean with amazing abs and I clicked her profile and she just had so much value on her page. She was super open with sharing her recipes, her skinny hacks, her diet tips, and she wasn't stingy with her tips. I just liked the whole vibe of her Instagram. So I followed her along on Instagram kind of silently. I was like a creeper follower. Anyways, I was in Monaco probably two years ago, and I saw her at the hotel that we were having lunch at. I saw her across the room, and of course, I wanted to know exactly what she was eating, which was like fish and veggies, of course. And I told Michael, that is that girl that I follow on Instagram. I actually did not approach her because I didn't want to bother her. You said, don't turn around, don't look, don't turn around. And then I turned around and looked. You're so bad at that. Well, I hate when people do the don't look now, don't turn around. Okay, good. I'm not going to tell you next time. Girls are weird too because you guys are always like looking at each other's plates. No, I just, I wanted to see what she was eating and drinking because I had followed along for so long. I don't think I've ever done that with a guy. Okay, well, girls do it all the time. It's a girl thing. Actually, take the back. Sometimes I'm like, ooh, that looks good. I'll have that. But I don't, you know, not like... We don't need to like whole a, life Not story. like a forensic scientist, you know? Anyway, so I saw Ingrid. I did not approach her. I didn't want to bother her. But then we started DMing on Instagram and kind of um, became friends. So she has a program called The Method, Okay. And it's this bar that you use your own body weight with to create long, lean muscles. I've tried her workout many times. I really, really like it. Ingrid's also a mom of three, which is insane. Because if you check out her Instagram, she looks like 25. And um, she is an amazing cook. So Ingrid is now involved in performance and conditioning training for several professional athletes like tennis, kite surfing, and even soccer. She trains in Monaco, which is absolutely beautiful. You'll have to follow her on Instagram to see the behind the scenes. Now with that, I want to introduce you guys to Ingrid. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Your coffee woke me back up. I was going into a slumber and then now I go. In the trunk. In the trunk of the car. <laughs> Michael was in the trunk of the car. We were he in the was. trunk of the car. Yeah. I, it, was, it, was, it was good. You need a little coffee to wake you up. Though. If I could podcast from here every day, then. We'd be good. Then I'd like the podcast a lot more. We're podcasting live from Monaco. Wait, hold on. How do you say it? Actually, I'm not saying it right. Belou? Boilou. 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 Boilou sur mer. Oh, God. <laughs> Setting me up for failure. Okay, guys, we're here with Ingrid. You know I've talked about her a lot on my Instagram, so many of you probably know her. But for those of you who don't know her, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, my name is Ingrid Delamar Kenny. I live in Monaco. Uh, I own a company called The Method, and I post a lot and love everything wellness, French holistic stuff and French cooking. 
And we're going to really get into French cooking and French wellness because I feel like it's so different than American wellness and American cooking. What do you think is the biggest difference between the American way of eating and the French way of eating? Well, first of all, we have to say that I am an American in the sense that I've lived in the States my whole life. I only moved here six years ago. So that gives me some type of depth on what it was in America and raising my children in America um, and then moving to Europe and seeing the difference in their body, their growth, my body, my health, my skin. So I think that the huge difference, even for us, because we were guilty of it, it's, it's not a judgment. It's, you know, you're, you're part of that norm. You're part of, you know, what everyone does in the States is quantity over quality. That's very, very American. Give me examples of exactly what you mean. Do you mean like when we order a pizza, it's extra large, and when you order it, it's a bite? I'll give you an example, even better than that, before ordering. Go to the supermarket to buy a bottle of milk. In France, you will never find a gallon. We don't even have that dosage in the supermarket. You buy a liter or a liter and a half which is so much less than a gallon. Same goes with potato chips or pretzels. If you're buying potato chips, pretzels, it's a small bag, almost the size of your hand, and it's filled up with air, so you get almost a handful of pretzels or potato chips. So just that with the portion sizes, with packaged stuff. So talk to me, you said that you are from the United States. How did you sort of get here? Like, what has your journey been from the beginning? You grew up in Florida, right? Florida, yes, went to school in Florida, and then I got married very young uh, and moved to New York to be with my ex-husband, uh, and I stayed there for close to 18 years. So I only moved here when I was about 32 years old, which was six years ago. That's crazy. How young, when you're talking, with, did you have kids? I had my firstborn when I was 20. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. I feel like yeah. you're so young when I talk to you that I don't even think of that. That's crazy to me. So I, d I do this to everybody. We we have to go back because. Okay, but your shirt's like so buttoned. I'm, buttoned <laughs> Listen, so I'm in the low. south. I'm in the south it's of France. In the south of France. It's, I, it's I maybe a button shirt, too low. Open shirt out here. Like, it's whoa. hot. It's nice. <laughs> so I want to go back. I want to know about your upbringing. Where were you? Where were you born? Where do you come from? You always in New York or where did you? No, I was in Miami. I stayed in Miami most of my teenage years and then I met my ex-husband when I was 17 we got married and then I moved to New York but my parents are French so I had a completely French upbringing I also went to school and lived in France in the south south of France as well but it's south west so that's Toulouse um, so I've had a little bit of both I've, I've had a little bit of the French upbringing and then in the United States and then I raised my children in New York so it's like, it, and, and raising the kids in New York, I was really trying to still keep a little bit of my parents' culture, but it's hard to do. You fall into the habits of, you know, the place where you live. So what did you, what did you like about New York and what did you like about living in America and what did you not like? I loved living in America. Um, I loved the fact that people are nice and open-minded, whereas in France, they're a little bit stiffer and they are a little bit closed-minded. In, in, what, in what regard? 
in mentality, uh, friendliness, um, they, they're a little bit more judgmental, you know, uh, they, they think the old way, you know, France is a very old country. Um, f for a really long time, people that lived in France were only French. And I think that makes the culture, you know, very pure for them. For example, they don't really make an effort to speak English, whereas you go to the United States and people speak Spanish because there's a lot of, you know, Mexican people around them or, you know, they will speak like all types of different languages. But so you know what I do, th but I get though in, in France, one thing that as an American, I think we come over here as Americans because yeah. we're loud and boisterous and we, <laughs> and we expect everybody to speak English. And I can see that, you know, if, For example, if a French person came over to America and they were just speaking French and they expected me to know French True. and I didn't. And so that's, I can see why people would, French people would get frustrated with Americans doing that because we've experienced, you come over here and say, yeah. you know, I speak English. Why don't you speak English? Yeah. And if you came to America and I said the other way and they said, we speak French, why don't you speak French? Um, but I get what you're saying. Sometimes it's a little bit stiffer, but I feel like if you're an American and you come over here and you make an effort, then French people are very friendly. It's just when you come over here and you don't make the effort. True, except that when we came here, I spoke French fluently because my mother and my father always spoke to me in French. The kids didn't. And we first arrived and stayed in Cannes while I was looking for an apartment in Monaco. So Cannes is really Puritan in, and French in that sense. And we found that people, for example, liked kids a little less. Like I, I was used to going inside in stores in New York and people say, oh my God, the kids are so cute. Hi kids, you know, do you want a lollipop? you would go into a store. So don't forget, we arrive as Americans, totally used to American culture, only coming to France to visit family once in a while. And you walk into a store and people go, make sure your kid doesn't touch the walls. So it's huge. It's a huge cultural difference. And it has changed in both places, though, because yeah. if a kid walks somewhere and I said, hey, buddy, you want a lollipop? I'm probably going to jail. <laughs> True. <laughs> When did you decide that you were going to make the move from New York to France? And how did you make that decision? I mean, you're a mom of three children. To make that, that move is a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, I would say that my divorce from their biological father was definitely one of the reasons why. Um, I, uh, I also lived through some difficult times. Uh, I had legal trouble that had me go to prison for a year. And, um, then I won my appeal and I was exonerated. Uh, and then I stayed in New York and worked for three more years in the fashion industry. And they were amazing. It was a very forgiving industry. It was wonderful. But then the divorce came, which had nothing to do with any of it. And, you know, I, I was married to a very religious Jewish man. He became more religious over the years. And it was difficult for us, for the kids and I, to just adjust to his progression into the religion. By the same token, it's hard to get divorced when you're Jewish and you're in a Jewish marriage, a religious marriage. So I felt like the only way that I could possibly break away and have, you know, this divorce and start a new life is probably to get away from it all. To not be seen as the divorced woman, you know, the one that took the kids and left. And, you know, so for me, it was like more of a let's give the kids open their horizon, take them to Europe, give them a better education, 
you know, um, have them speak a different language, travel throughout Europe, because when you're in Europe, when you're in France, it's so easy to go to the UK, to go to Italy. When you're in the States, where do you take them? To Miami, to Aruba? So it was all these factors and also wanting to exist on my own without being someone's wife. So, you know, I, I, and my parents being French so was, was also a big factor. Like, okay, let's, let's go to that culture, see what it has to offer. And Monaco was a great trade-off because it's not completely France. It's a small principality. Uh, English is one of the first languages here. So I knew that it, would, it wouldn't be difficult for the kids to move here. Um, the schools teach them French, knowing that they will not be French speakers. So it was a country where it was easy to make the transition for the kids as well. So you know, if you, if you listen to this show, and I know you do sometimes, that I am going to ask questions. And we, yes. we, ha- we glazed over, um, you had some legal troubles. Yes. Can you tell me the circumstances around that? Because I don't think I've heard this story from you. No, you haven't heard the story from me. I have a book coming out at some point about it. Um, And I wasn't always so outspoken. I was quite ashamed of it for a really long time. And, you know, some people contributed to that shame because people are going to shame you for your past. But I've come to realize when my life got great, became great here, when I, you know, worked really hard and got to where I wanted that the only way that this was happening is because of what I've gone through. Before we dive into that, let's talk about ritual. So you guys know I'm a human guinea pig. I like to try everything and I have been testing out this multivitamin for the last five months and I can fully recommend it, okay? First off, it's filled with the standout star omega-3 plus iron, vitamin E, magnesium, folate, all kinds of things, okay? And it doesn't have that fishy taste. It's more of like a minty, fresh goodness. Ritual is also vegan, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free. And one of my favorite things about it is it's cute. It looks cute on your vanity. You want it next to your toothbrush. It's something that you can bring along. I brought it along the whole time I traveled, and I felt like it was great since we were drinking a lot of alcohol. It's also made in the USA without synthetic fillers or colorants, which we love. Some of you guys had DM'd me and asked me about burping or any pain on an empty stomach. There's no fish burps. There's no pain on an empty stomach. And you don't have to take 900 vitamins at once. It's just one vitamin. So it's, again, efficient, which is very, very on brand for the Skinny Confidential. This specific multivitamin has no unnecessary fillers. It has no weird-ass ingredients. And there's nothing shady about it, okay? It actually contains nine essential ingredients, okay? So I really like how there's B12 in it. I feel like I'm lacking in that and it gives me energy. And then they also have a vegan D3 in it. I am really low on D3. I don't know if it's because I don't stay in the sun, but it's something that I definitely need in my daily diet. So D3 is great. We love that. I really like how it's a minty smell and it doesn't taste weird. There's none of that chalky vitamin BS. It's just a mintish taste. So it's great in the morning. You can visit Ritual's website to learn everything from why each ingredient is beneficial to where it's sourced. Ritual is the brand that's reinventing the experience with nine essential nutrients women lack most. If you're ready to invest in your health, do what I did and go to ritual.com slash skinny. Consider this your lifelong health 401k. Why put anything but clean ingredients backed by real science in your body? Go to ritual.com slash skinny to get yours today. So um, 
we're going back a few years back, over 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. About 15 years ago, I sold my clothing on eBay. Mm -hmm. um, I sold my clothes on eBay and realized it did really well. So it was like after pregnancy, I think I had lost a lot of weight. So my jeans weren't fitting me anymore. I sold some brand jeans on eBay. And um, I saw it was doing really well. My son Dylan was maybe two, three years old at the time. And I just had Dylan and Dylan was diagnosed with a learning disability. And they put him on the spectrum of autism, which was really devastating for me because I was just 21 years, 22 years old at the time. You um, don't know what to, what to do. I didn't really know what to do. Therapies were super expensive. Um, I worked in the fashion industry. I gave piano lessons. I kind of was juggling jobs. And then I found this incredible doctor in New York City. Her name's Sissy McCartan from the McCartan Center. And I found her on TV. She was, um, she was giving an interview, I think, on CNN or CNBC. She was talking about autism. And at the time, all people knew about autism was Rain Man. Wow, that's uh, there was no information There's or education. No information. Exactly. And then, do you remember the girl from Baywatch, Jenny McCarthy? Mm -hmm. So her son was diagnosed with autism. And I, he has to be just a little bit older than my son. And she's on TV and she's saying that she believes there's more to it. She believes that you can fix it. And there was an uproar. People did not agree with her. Uh, Medical America wanted to diagnosed those kids what with year autism. Was this? Uh, so Dylan's born in 1999. So it's around like 2001, 2001 2001, okay. 2000, 2001. Um, they, they didn't want to say there was a cure for autism. I don't, I still think that they believe that for the mild autism, there's still not much you can do. So Dylan was just on the spectrum. I, I can't say it was anything like Rain Man, but he had some symptoms and they were scary ones. And so I watched her on TV and then I looked for her. She said she had a center in New York and I went to see her. Um, and she said, girl, that's going to cost you too much money. You might want to go the mainstream way and go with early intervention, which is a government. Um, it's, it's a government. It's thing. a bitch. Yeah. And it's like they, they label your kids and it goes on their school record and they give them mainstream therapies. And it, it probably helps a lot of kids to have like mild learning disabilities. But for Dylan, it wasn't right. And I said to her, how much? And she said, well, for the evaluation, 5,000. And I was like, oh, my God, where am I going to get And 5, you're 22 000? years old. I'm 22 years old. And I'm like, OK, OK, I'll come back with it. So. I got a little bit of help for from my brother and then I sold some of my stuff on eBay, made a little bit of money and I got him the evaluation. I sat across, you know, in the, one of those little aquariums where you watch your kid across the window so he can't see you, he sees a mirror. Like a focus group. Yeah, and he's with this therapist that's telling him to put like the squares into the squares and the triangles into the triangles and he wasn't doing any of it. It was so hard to watch. And I watched his whole evaluation and he was failing like everything, like the little monkeys, you know, the climbing monkeys, all these things. And um, she evaluated him and then she said, you know, you'll come into my office when I'm done with my evaluation. So I went back a few days later and she said, he's on the spectrum of autism. So he doesn't have ADD, he doesn't have ADHD, which was the fashionable stuff back yep. then. 
um, and there's really not much that the therapist from early intervention will be able to do for him. So I said, what can I do? She's, and she was not one of those people that just wanted your money, you know. She was like, look, we have this thing. It's called fast forward. It's therapy, no medication. It's not approved yet. It's not uh, reimbursed by insurance. And I said, okay, we'll do it. So I started selling stuff on eBay. I started going to like all the outlets and doing all the everything shops. you can do for your son. Yes. I'm, I'm not saying it's an excuse by any means. Um, but it's just yeah. a reason. It's not an it excuse. Was, it's it's a how I started that side business. It wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, and I kept my other jobs. Um, and it grew. I started to make so much money. I would buy all these uh, brand jeans on, you know, in outlets, real jeans no fake ones. Um, I have to say that because that's the first thing people thought about back then, that that was the trend. And uh, then I have this girl that was in Virginia and I can't, I don't want to get into all the legal, I don't know if I'm allowed to, mm -hmm. um, who approached me and said, hey, why don't you become my wholesaler? I'll open an internet shop and you can get me all the jeans and all the juicy couture. That's what was installed at the time. And we can sell them to people online. And I said, great. And we did that. I went partners with her and I would ship everything she asked me to ship when she got orders. And uh, I got Dylan through his therapies. Um, and then uh, after that, I moved on to my career in the fashion business and I quit this job, which was going super well. But, you know, I started doing better and I worked on, you know, fashion shows and things like that. Um, but so where's the legal trouble come into that? So the crazy thing is the legal trouble comes five or six years later. Oh my gosh. I moved into a new house and Dakota's born. And, and Savannah had already, had already been born. Uh, Savannah was already born. Okay. She's my second one. And I find out that I'm indicted for... How do you find that out? The FBI comes they, to your house. They, they come and tell you. Yeah. They don't just, it's not something that you just stumble upon. They, well, so yeah. you're, they you're in you know. your house just like cooking and they knock on the door? Yeah, exactly. They say, Yeah. they send a, a bouquet of flowers and they say. <laughs> Why are you acting like you've been indicted? I mean, I haven't, but I'm just saying, I think it's funny that you think that like you have to find out from a third party. <laughs> I don't know. I, no, I, no, I don't know. But it's a, it's yeah, a good question come. because I should have said, it's just, it's not a good memory. But yeah, they knock on the door. So I what think. does that look like when you're, okay, so you're at home with your children. Yeah. The FBI knocks on your door. Yeah. What, what's the first thought that goes through your mind? Well, I open the door and they, s they say your name and they say, um, they say your name. They say, is that you? And I go, yes. And the first thing I say is, I don't know what my husband did, but he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> I am literally, I'm coughing that. So, yeah. And so that started a whole crazy legal battle. Um, but what was the, so what so was the indictment you. for? The indictment for was for non-delivery of goods. Okay. Which, draw, draw, you know how the legal system works, which uh, draws in uh, wire fraud because you accepted payments through federal, you know, crossing through federal lines, et cetera, et cetera. So it draws in all this stuff. Wait, so what happened is you weren't shipped, the, the products weren't shipping or so people weren't receiving them? The people were not receiving them. So okay. somewhere in my operation uh, with this partner of mine, um, people weren't receiving all of their goods. And so the first thing he, they said, the, the, the indictment said is the, the fraud was for like $28,000 at the time. 
So I got a lawyer and um, my lawyer said to me, that's ridiculous. You're not going to do it in jail time. You know, there's something went wrong. And effectively, I knew at the time something was going wrong because people, even if you're not their interlocutor, when, when, you t when the customer service was happening, it was with that partner. I was doing the wholesale. People would find me. You know, they would say, look, I haven't got my stuff. I know your partner is with this girl. I know the website is under your name and her name. And I didn't pay attention. So I was totally guilty of that. I should have paid attention to the complaints, people saying they were not getting their stuff. But I was so, it's not an excuse. I'm completely guilty, but I was so busy trying to make it. I was so busy trying to pay my therapies and still need, live a normal lifestyle and that I didn't pay attention and I should have. I didn't realize at the time, the legal repercussions and the fact that you can't say, I didn't know, or, you know, yeah, and I should have known better. They tend not to care about that. No, I should reason. have known better. I, you know, I went to law school, so I should have definitely known better. But, um, so I was, as I said, indicted, got a lawyer in New York who thought this was complete bullshit. Are we allowed to say bullshit? We you can, can say fuck bullshit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> listen, That's li the way. listen, this is a clean show. We keep it clean here. <laughs> You're such a liar. And after we do this show, we go and pray in the church for three hours. That's what we do every time. No, <laughs> no that's not true. Not today. <laughs> Just kidding. Now I'm, now I'm going to get a lot of religious hate. So. <laughs> okay, so fast forward. So fast forward. The lawyer's wrong. The, la the lawyer's wrong because I'm indicted in Virginia where I'd never been before, but my partner and was. And Virginia's oh, strict. Oh, yeah. my God. And Virginia is a very strict They're not, yeah, state. They, yep. So... And I'd never been there, but that's where she was receiving the money. So it, it was like a whole kind of railroad thing. And at that point, we didn't know what was happening. Did, did the partner get in trouble? She did. Okay. Maybe not as much trouble because they wanted me for some reason. I was like the money maker mm -hmm. oh. in their eyes. And I was the girl from New York. And this know. is five years later. Yeah, that was like about four or five years later. And uh, so fast forward, um, my lawyer from New York is a great lawyer takes me to Virginia, he goes, let's go to trial. We're, we're not negotiating with these people. You're not pleading. This is not really, What was know. the plea at the time? It was, it was ridiculous. It was like two, th two years, something like that. And he was like, come on, you were working out of your kitchen. And you're a mom of, of three. Mom of three. My son, you know, was needing the help. Um, and so we go to Virginia, go to trial. They find me guilty which we should have known. So I always wonder, I always wonder how this feels. When, are you in the room when they say guilty? Yes. And how does that feel? Is it like you don't believe it at the time? You don't believe it. And when you hear it, you, <laughs> what, what was the first thought that went through your mind? It's very weird because when it's white color and it's for a low amount of money, they don't come and handcuff you and take you away like they do in the movies. They go, okay, now you got to go to sentencing in six months and then you'll have to show up to the prison if you're, you know, if you have to go to prison. So it's very strange because it feels surreal. The fact that they don't handcuff you, they don't take you away. I didn't get arrested. I never got arrested, actually. So it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's it, any criminal activity because no. you're just kind of being told and come here yeah. and come there and here's an appointment and here's a meeting. And then I'm with this uh, huge attorney from New York City who's sitting next to me going, don't worry, 
we've got this. Like, we're going to appeal it. You know, they do that. Oh, and yeah. so you, you're in this state where like, okay, we're going to appeal it and I'm, I'm going to make it through. I mean, it can't, I sold jeans for God's sake. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't sell drugs. I, you know, so it, it seems not that you're trying to, to make it any less. You're not minimizing it. It just doesn't feel. It, it doesn't feel real. But it was. And it turns out that I had to go to prison. And um, the, word, the worst part is that because the French government, because I had also French citizenship, uh, got involved um, and said... Because they're saying, what is one of our citizens going yeah, to American prison? They're, they're saying, like, this is not a crime in France. They went to Quai d'Orsay in France, which what they do there is they look at the crime, judges look at the crime, and they decide whether it's a crime in France or not. And at that point, they try to trade prisoners and they kind of, you know, they tried the case in Quai and said, it's not a crime. Here. So they tried to protect you. So they tried to protect me and that worked against me because that put me kind of at flight risk. So I ended up in a medium security prison instead of going to a camp like Martha Stewart. And they gave me four years. That's, that's the, the crazy thing about this whole story. The fraud was for $28,000. Some reason... Then when you go read all the articles about it, whatever that there was at the time, they inflated it to something like $116,000. But when you look at the original indictment, it was $28,000. And I got four years. And you have three kids. Yes. So what do you do? You appeal. But what, you, like, when you know you have to go to prison, are you, who are you calling to take care of your kids? Like, what do, what do you even, so where do you even start? You, you, you just do. My, my ex-husband was wonderful for that he take, took great care of them but until I had to uh, show up at the prison on the date I was given after my sentencing I had all these attorneys because we had hired a bunch of them at that point telling me no we're going to appeal we're going to win you'll be out in three days you'll be out in a week and I spent one year in prison appealing my appeal took one year we had to have uh, the senator of New York at the time get involved and ask for the jury to the the judges to finally give their decision. They should have taken no less, no more than six months. They were taking a really long time. It felt like I was falling into this weird like glitch. Yeah, like something was up. Like almost like a someone glitch. trying to sabotage this. No, you know? I know. What I'm sure it didn't feel just like a glitch. No, well, no, I, it like felt like there's like a weird conspiracy yeah, or something. It felt like I was being railroaded. So when you first walk into prison, uh, what do you think what are the thoughts that are going through your head? Sheer fear and panic. And when you get in there, so the reason I ask this is obviously we've not experienced this. When you go in there, is it as, is it as bad as you fear or is yeah. it? Or it's is everything it, you think it is. It's everything you think it and is. And how long does it take you to adjust? Because, I, cause you know, the hum, human mind is adaptable, right? And just, and to give, point, just to give the listener context, Ingrid's like the most beautiful, like thin, lean. Like Let's just put it this way. If you, if you saw Ingrid, you would not think that this story yeah so as everyone like i mean i feel like all eyes are on you like yeah it the, the worst part of it that's why i mentioned that before with the dual citizenship was that they put me in a medium security prison which means that i was with murderers i was with drug dealers and a few normal people but it was uh a population of like 2500 real women. criminals yeah. so real you're criminals. not in your own cell 
No, you're in a huge unit, like a huge cell with like another 40, 40 or 45 women. How do you protect yourself looking like this? You negotiate. What do you mean? I speak different languages. So uh-huh. I was with like Puerto Rican women who's needed a BS corpus. And because I went to law school, I was able to promise them to, you know, do some appeals for them where we, they represent themselves. And so I worked in the law library and I helped these people spoke their languages. And, and then I had one wonderful woman who I'm very close to now, Russian woman, um, protect me. Wow. Yeah. So she just took like a protective role over you. And yeah. And she was, she came to visit a few times. There's a few pictures of her on my Instagram. Wow. So yeah. you actually ended up making a friend out of it. Yeah, I actually have a few friends. There was a few normal people in there, uh, but they were the minority. Everything else is so terrifying. And uh, the worst part was that I was in there for four years, originally in my head. Oh, so you, you know? go in thinking it's four years. Well, you go in knowing it's four years and oh saying, no, something's going to happen, like... An appeal. I'm going to win my appeal. I'm, I'm, you know, I felt very innocent. Like, I didn't feel guilty of what they were accusing me of. It's, it's so, you know, law in the States is ever so technical that you become guilty of a crime that you didn't mean to commit. Makes sense. And so, so you're, when you went into prison, you're thinking you're there for four years. Yeah. But it ended up being a year, right? Yeah, because I won my appeal after a year. And do you attribute that to you going to law school? Do you think that that played a big part in it? Um, I th- No, no. At the time, it was all up to the lawyers. Once you're locked back there, you have no power, no reach. The only uh, reach that I had that I was lucky for was that my family hired a bunch of lawyers. So when you're in a situation like that... You obviously have to make some adjustments in the mind, right? You have yeah. to, because you, you, you're in a cell or you're in a, you're in a confined area. Mm-hmm. What, what do those adjustments look like for those that have not experienced something like this? Is it, you know, because over time you have to kind of accept, okay, I'm in here for a set amount of time. Yeah. And there's some switches that have to take place in your mind to be able to cope with that. But do you, can you think of any, um, like any standout thoughts that came? You're like, okay, this is an adjustment because obviously you're worried about your children on the outside world, but there's certain things you're not worried about because you're not focusing on work. You're not doing that. You're not focused on what normal people are focused on that are outside of the system. So I, I guess what I'm trying to get to is what kind of adjustments in the mind need to take place in order to survive and thrive in a situation like that or in an environment like that? There are so many things that come into play because first you go in an environment that is truly like arriving on a different planet like you would see in the movies. So you have to protect yourself a lot. You have to protect yourself from the information that's been put out. You need to protect yourself from extending your sentence, making a mistake, fighting with someone. Yeah, because any mistake, you know, they just tax stuff mistake. on. And you're with a bunch of criminals yeah and they're pushing you and they're it's not even the fights they could entice you to do something and you don't really know because you come from the outside world and you don't know this world but some people were there doing time for like life or 18 years 20 years so you have to watch out for that and you don't understand it all so you have someone have you seen that movie shot caller 
with the guy from Game of Thrones. I like that yeah. movie. I mean, maybe I don't know how realistic yeah. that is, but it's a guy that go, well, he, you know, gets in a DUI and then he ends up going for a, a minimum sentence and ends up going for pretty much the rest of his yeah. life. Yeah, I don't know if it's that extreme, but it's it's mu- very much. So like you just that. have to walk the line. You can't. You have to walk the line. But I'm talking about even little things like. You know, there's there's basic human needs. Like you don't, you know, we're gonna go out to dinner later tonight, and yeah. I'm thinking, okay, what are we gonna order on the menu? Like those those decisions get removed because it's a set. But they don't get removed right away. So the problem is, the first few months, you fall into a deep depression. Okay. You are very weak. You wimp. You cry, and then you have someone who comes, like my dear protector. And they say, hey, cut the shit. Uh, we gotta tough like, it up. With her Russian accent, she was like, you stop crying now. <laughs> she was super mean. She was so mean to me. She would like squeeze my arm and go, you know, cry now. You stop crying. What about food and and working out? Is that out the window? No, it's not out the window for people that are adjusting. But I refuse to adjust because I was going to be out in three days. Mm-hmm. You know, I was listening to my lawyers. No, you'll be out in three days. You'll you be don't out have in to do month. that stuff because you're so out. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I, all I have to live for is my next visit with the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and that's for a long time all I lived for. I think I didn't start working out for like... Until six months. I think I ate nothing for about six months. I went down to like 85 pounds. Oh and my God. I, I was still, and people kept on saying to me like, you cannot live in the outside world. You have to live inside. And I was like, no way, I'm not from here. So that's what I'm asking you. That's yeah. the switch. Is that you ha- they tell you that you can't think about the outside. You have to only focus on the that's world that's around you. That's what they tell you. But they're prisoners. So you're like, why should I listen to them? Mm-hmm. You know, and... Um, eventually you realize that the best thing for your kids when they come see you is to look quite healthy. Makes sense to you know, look normal. Uh, but, but to kind of get to that took me a long time. I, I should have had that maturity sooner, but I was too busy being terrified. Is there anything that you read or anything that like anything that was of inspiration while you were in there that helped? I um, tried a lot of things. There is absolutely nothing that helped me wow nothing that's an honest answer there was no you didn't have access to any kind of books yeah we have access to all the books everybody was like reading the secret at the time and you know uh, i could go to the to the 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 chapel and even have access to some jewish books so i read a little bit of the zohar which is like the kabbalah but nothing spoke to me i I was, I've been too much of a mother since the age of 20. I only knew how to breathe and exist uh, through my kids, waking up with them, never being separated from them. So at first it was just, I, I, I wish I could, you know, speak to myself back then and, you know. If you were speaking to yourself back then or you're speaking to anyone that, I, I don't know how many of our listeners are going to prison, but if they, if they are, if is there any advice or even if they're going through a hard time, is there anything that you would tell your younger self now? I think I would say, especially when you know your sentence comes to an end, whatever it is and whatever hope you live with, because that hope sometimes makes you take a few steps back, is try to be the healthiest and mentally the best you can for when you come out so you can continue to function because unfortunately I've seen people come out and not function right being totally screwed up after they can't adjust yeah so you have adjusted though i have like and i want to talk about the transition from you going from prison to going to the outside world you're going back to your Mm -hmm. kids what does that look like so you you said you were there for a year right yeah so six months of that you were depressed yeah 
So the, the appeal, the appeal worked, obviously. The appeal, the appeal worked. worked. Yeah. And so the other six months, I, I would assume you adjusted to the system. I adjusted. Yeah. I started working out. I started showing Pilates to the few people that I was, you know, close to. You know, if I was in prison with you, I would be doing the fucking Pilates with you every day. <laughs> but you know, it's funny because the first six months I watched people and go, how can they work out knowing they have their family out there? Like I, I didn't have that state of mind. And then I went into this mute thing. Like, okay, six months have passed. I've still not won my appeal. So I went in like mute. And I would live for the visits with the kids. But I started to exercise and I started to eat a little more. And, uh, you know, just focus on go coming out and, and being the best I can. What does it feel like when you're out and you're making the transition into the real world? What did that look like? Fear. Really? Yeah. Because you're like nervous of people's reaction? No, actually, I the reaction in my community where I was in Brooklyn, was the Jewish community in Brooklyn, um, was wonderful. So what were you nervous of? I was scared of the government. Because you have to realize, when you commit a crime, you say, okay, I'm going to go rob a bank. And you go to prison. You know, you, you committed the crime. You know, what you, you know, you what, know, the, you you know, know what the consequences are. You know white. what the repercussions are. But when you get kind of like railroaded the way that I did, trapped into something like turning something that like it, it just becomes so big, you go, they can do it to me all over again. So you were scared. I was scared. I was scared to go back. That makes sense. And actually. I lived with that fear for a long time. Do you still feel that now or no? No. Not at all? No. So let's let's talk about now. So you've obviously transitioned. You have a thriving business. You're in Monaco. You're married to Jill. You're sitting over there. You're having a lot of drinks and fun. This <laughs> so how do you you know how do you start putting your life back together? What are the first steps when you're when you're out and you're you're saying okay like that's behind me, and now I have to move forward. So the kids first of all, I came home and had to cook my first dinner. You know I had to wake up in the morning, have breakfast. Two days later, take them to school. Like nothing happened. And uh, eventually having to act like nothing happened so their life can go back to normal. Right. Um, and did the kids know what was going on? Yeah. They did? They did. They okay. came to see me. They knew what was going on. And, uh, you know, some of them grew up too fast because of it. But for Dylan... Because your kids are mature. We had dinner last night with... with you know, Boys. Savannah. With Savannah, yeah. but she's yeah. not... Well, Dylan's yeah. the oldest, but... Yeah. Savannah's middle. Savannah is very mature, and she we have a very special bond because of this experience. She was six years old, and she um, she helped me through it. She I often say she saved my life. She really, really, really um, she had something. She realized what was happening, and she was strong. And she used to look me in the eye and go, "We're gonna fight, mom. We're gonna fight." You can feel that in her when we went to dinner with her last night. She she has a, a very mature, poised presence. Yeah, she's super protective too. Yes, and, and you guys have a really special relationship. Yeah. You can feel it. Like the, the mother-daughter relationship that they have, I've never seen anything like it. It's a very strong connection. When she wants to go into law, so obviously like that comes from yeah. something. Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't even put that together. Yeah, but that's why. That's why Dylan's oh God, going to law school also. Oh, and I'm very, very perceptive, right? Sometimes you're perceptive. <laughs> so Savannah, you think, has helped sort of make the transition easier into the real world. Yeah. And so uh, do you go back to work right away? Yeah. Normal. Yeah, and they, you know how it is in New York. People don't care that you went 
Right, so to present. People are open-minded. So I was in the fashion industry and I got a super warm welcome. People looked at me like I was a hero for surviving it. Didn't you say like Marc Jacobs? Well, I think it makes like everything so much more... A standing ovation for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I was working backstage. That was like one of my first job going back because um, I, I was in fashion. So... Uh, and one of my first job was a fashion week. And when I arrived backstage with like, I had all the racks in my hands and a bunch of things and everything stopped. And I looked up and like everybody started applauding. Wow. And it was like, I, I think no one admires you for <laughs> the Well, people crime. admire the perseverance, they admire right? The, and they, the strength. They, I think. Tenacity. Pe- people like a good comeback story. Yeah. Like, you know, Which we, you are. We always talk about people, um, you know, if, if you're just watching somebody, everything's going great. That's not so interesting. And I know he, primarily here we were sitting down to do this podcast to get into some diet stuff, into yeah. some fitness, which he, we should <laughs> which we do. Are. No, we are. Um, we have lots of questions about that. But when Lauren told me that this element of your life existed, I thought, like, this is this is a way to get people to really know yeah. you and fall in love with your story. And then it makes the other stuff, which we're going to get into now, segue, great segue, um, oh my God. a lot more tangible, right? Because a lot of people, people crave, you know, the connection and they want yeah. to figure out like why, they, how they identify with someone. And so I think knowing your background just makes the rest of the stuff much more powerful. I, I agree. I always, you know, when I met Gilles, we, uh, we went for a coffee first and I was like, you know, you're not going to be my kids for a long time. I, I was being like a real bitch. And then on the first time... Men took, love a real bitch. <laughs> I was a bitch for two yeah. minutes. They so. love it though. Keep telling yourself that, honey. <laughs> <laughs> but then on the second date, we went to dinner and we saw that like the connection was insane. And then the first thing I said to him was like, okay, wait, before we continue, I have something to tell you. And I, I told him, that's the, I said, if you are going to feel anything for me, at this point, I, it looks like it's not going to be a one-night stand. Let me tell you something about me. And I figured he would get up and go and say, okay, bye, you know. I thought you were going to tell him something else. No. You s- <laughs> Jill, if you screw around, I've been to prison and I'm going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just thought he would be like, you know, I, I just don't want that in my life or, you know. I mean, people judge it. Come on. You know that. I've just lived it I told on Michael social media. On the way over there, I, I think that what you've been The best way to remove judgment, though is to do what we're doing right now. And yeah. then, yes, people can make a decision on which way they go. Of course. Oh, I'm sorry. If someone doesn't have a colorful past, what a bore. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to fall asleep. Yeah. I love a colorful past. The yeah. more colorful, well, the that's better. That's what I'm saying. People can make a decision on what the, what they interpret. But I think people get into trouble when they when they don't tell their stories and they leave it up for interpretation and it's vague. It's true. No, but, she's unapologetically when herself. On, when you lay it on the line. Yeah. I mean... Like anyone that doesn't have anything interesting in the past, like I'm asleep. Listen, I went through stages and this maturity with it too. At first, the, fast, the first five years, I, want to, I wanted to get it removed from Google. I was looking for all these ways of getting my, my stuff removed from Google. And today, I'm actually, I can't say I'm proud, but I'm definitely proud to be where I am. I'm proud that my kids are okay and that we've lived through this together. It's, it's made our life extraordinary. I think that if the, you didn't have this past, I don't think you would be where you are today. I, I really agree. don't. I I'm, agree. And I'm saying that like 100%. I, I don't agree. think. I don't think you'd be in this situation. I agree. So you decide to move to Monaco after you divorce your husband. Yeah. So I stayed in... Some people often think that after that episode in prison this is why I moved to Monaco not at all I actually stayed in New York three more years and uh, I did great in the fashion industry and then came the divorce 
and the divorce for me was like, you know, how do you get out of this very religious community uh, where, you know, obviously everybody is married, your friends are married, you know, and not just be a divorced woman. What and so at oh. that time, that's when I decided that moving to Europe would be good. So I want to talk about how you and I met, which is <laughs> a little funny. So six years ago, literally six years ago, I was on Instagram and I was following this girl named Nina Romp Clothing, shout out. And I saw that she had tagged you in something and I, I don't know why, but I clicked you and I just started to fall in love with you as an influencer. So this is like, this is before blogging, before anything. I was a blogger, but you weren't a blogger. I would say you were more of like a micro blogger through Instagram. Yeah. I, I had a blog for like a second and a half when I was in New York, but six years ago, six years ago, when my Instagram started, I actually had just moved here. Yes. And you were cooking with Gigi crackers and I didn't know what Gigi crackers were. And I just started following you because I thought one, you had amazing abs, like the best (laughs) abs I've ever seen. And you also had all these really creative skinny tips. So I followed Ingrid for, I would say about, I want to say like three to four years. And then one day I was sitting in Eden Rock in, I don't even know what is it? Antibes. And I she saw so her. Weird. She's like, hey, there's this person <laughs> I follow. No, because I don't, right I don't follow a lot of people. I, I follow my audience because I love to follow them, but I don't follow a lot of people that I don't know that are influencers. But there was something I really liked about you. I she thought. did that thing to me where she said, look that way, but don't look. Don't like, don't look. <laughs> don't turn around. And, and of look. course he turns around. And of course around. I was like fully turned around. So we see, yeah. we see Ingrid across the restaurant. We're sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, this is this girl that I've been following for the last four years. I've never said hi. I've never messaged her. And I don't want, I don't want to go up to her and say hi, but I would like to know what she's eating, Michael. So could you let me know? And you were eating like a perfect salad and green beans and all this different stuff. Anyways. Girls are so funny like that. I can never, like as a man, she's I can never be like, What's that man eating over there? (laughs) You having the lentil soup there, buddy? So one day, I don't remember why, I I think I messaged you. It was like literally five days later. It was. And I said, I saw you. You said, hi, I've been following you for a while. And I think I saw you. It's crazy. And and you wrote something like, were you with your mom and your husband? Uh And I, and the first thing I said was like, oh my God, why didn't you come say hi? I just, I didn't want to come say hi because I'm, I don't, like I said, I don't follow a lot of people that I don't know on Instagram so closely. And I just love your skinny tips. Anyways, fast forward. Here we are. We're sitting in Ingrid's house. We've become friends. Um, so see where a little stocking can get you just, (laughs) you know what? I love a little stocking. One day you're looking at someone eating lunch. The next day you're in their home and eating lunch with them and seeing what they're actually drinking inulin fiber coffee. (laughs) You never know. That that coffee's got me wired up. Instagram's a weird fucking place. Yeah, it is. So I want to talk about wellness and diet and the French way of eating because that's why I originally followed you and you're unapologetically yourself. So just maybe we talked a little bit in the beginning about how how the French differs from American eating. What are some tips and tricks that you notice that have made a huge difference in the way you look and feel? The biggest thing that changed even for me because I worked in this fast-paced environment in New York. So I did what everybody else does. I ate at my desk. I ate at 3 p.m. if noon wasn't doing it for my boss or for myself. 
the biggest thing that has changed here is people take a lunch break from 12 to 2 p.m. I know I talk about this all the time, but when you arrive from the States, it seems insane. Yeah. You try to go to the pharmacy and you're knocking on the window and someone passes by and goes, excuse me, it's lunchtime. They closed. And you're like, why? And that's happened to me for, it took me maybe like six months to a year to adjust to that. And then I realized that this is why the French are probably healthier and skinnier than Americans. Just that. So I did a little bit of research about that and I started to realize that I'm obsessed with hormones. Obviously, I'm a mom. I'm a mom since the age of 20. Today, I'm 40 years old. I've gone through pregnancies. I've gone through my divorce, which affects your hormones. The stress level affects your hormones. I've gone through a few miscarriages, which affects your hormones. So um, it was not a surprise for me to find out that we have a stress hormone that's called cortisol. And that does affect our weight gain if we don't eat, not, not just eat right, but we, the way we eat, the time we take to eat, for example. And the French have that completely figured out. Meaning that from the sanitation worker to the secretary, to the nurse, to the teacher, to the CEO, everybody from 12 to 2 p.m. is going to take a lunch break. So what happens for these people, depending on their demography, their, their, you know, their social class, whatever, whoever they are, whether they're going to go eat a sandwich or they're going to go eat you know, some caviar or they're going to go eat pasta, they're either going to go home and eat with a family member, they're either going to go down to the little cafe or brasserie down the street with some coworkers, or they're going to go eat with a friend or they're gonna go sit by the beach and eat and read a book at the same time, but they're all going to do the same exact thing, which is take that break and take time just to eat. So it's what do you tell time. what do you tell the you know the American like that, that like me who like a lot of a lot of us we don't have that option, right? Yeah. Like that it's not gonna happen, right? They're yeah. saying you get an hour lunch break. Many of us work in traditional jobs and that's the break. So what would you tell someone who doesn't have the option to take those type of breaks? I would say that you need to find the time to scatter your breaks throughout your day. You have to give your body that courtesy of saying, you know what, right now I'm going to drink my coffee, whatever your drug is, drinking your inulin coffee or... And this is just to balance cortisol. It's to balance cortisol, give your body the rest it needs so your digestion can align with your hormones. It's so linked and no one talks about it. Everybody's going on diets. Everybody's talking to you about portions. I talk to you about portions, about fiber, about all that stuff. No one talks to you about your hormones. When meanwhile, the hormones trigger, they rule your body. They rule even your body, Michael, not just women's. So yeah, when, yeah. so standing up in the kitchen, shoving a salad down your throat is not efficient. That's why people have midsections and they don't understand why. I have so many people that come up to me and say, I eat salads and my belly is still, you know, swollen. What do you get the most, I want to say flack, the most resistance from, from let's say, um, when, you're, when you're giving diet or fitness advice, what do you get the most, re- like, fl- what do you get the most pushback on? Like resistance, you mean? Yeah, like what, what people, when you give some advice and people say no, what is it? What is the most common? The most common thing is people go to extremes. 
and they treat their body really badly thinking only an extreme will get this freaking fat out of their body so they look at you and they say no there's no way this could be and and so what yeah okay so i guess the question is what is what are those perceived extremes that they say you cannot get these results without doing these like when someone looks at you i'll give you an example someone that's trying to lose weight Mm -hmm. is gonna come and say you tell them don't do cardio Mm-hmm. You're, you you ha- you already have a, stre- a high stress level job. You already have a very stressful commute. You're running out of your house, literally with your coffee in hand and a bite in your muffin while you're screaming at people on the way because they're not going fast enough. So if you already have that whole lifestyle and then you go to spin for an hour and a half, don't wonder why you're not losing the weight. So and let that's me ask what you I this. get the most resistance from. So I can get on board with the no cardio thing but but i always look at it as okay what is the alternative what do you do in place because for me when i don't like cardio anyway and i think running is not the best um i for, can't for wait me. to why is it running i don't best? i don't like running for the knees and i think it drags the skin down oh well, my god you copy me no, on everything but, but i love but, that but, it's but so, true but in a lot of people like running because they get endorphin what releases skin and stuff does like that but what would you do in place of cardio? If you're saying, if you're, if the blanket advice is don't stop doing cardio, what do you do in place in I order to burn calories? I think the blanket advice is not necessarily don't do cardio. What she's saying is is don't do these really stressful workouts. Yeah. For instance, like don't go to boot camp and turn the music up to techno when you want to get your cortisol so down. So let me play devil's advocate to you because this is what I do. Yeah. For somebody that is a boot camp trainer that's in phenomenal shape, what would you like? And they're saying, hey, Ingrid, I'm getting the best results here doing this. What would you say to people like that? The problem is you're talking to me about the trainer that's in perfect shape. Yes. But the trainer, the body is his investment. This guy knows exactly how much protein he has to eat every day. He knows exactly how much water he has to drink. He knows exactly when he has to stop. You know, most of these people eat like six, seven meals a day. All these bodybuilders and, and all those people know exactly what to give to their body and how to treat their body. So they might be doing those workouts, but when they make you do the workout, they stand there. They're not taking, they're not sending you home with all the rest of the tools. Exactly. So that's your issue with it. And that's their job. You cannot go home with the rest of the tools. Like who has time to, uh, you know, boil a potato, eat an egg and a little piece of chicken that has no taste. Those people have passion behind it. Like those bodybuilders or these, you know, these trainers, they have, so much investment into their body but they're doing it so right so this is why people are going on diets instead because they don't have the handbook instead they have like you know products that they're told to have now probiotics you know has become this big thing so everybody's running you know and buying that and all that stuff but people are given so many tools especially now all the noise on instagram so many tools it's just too too much and i think this is also part of what gets the cortisol levels to rise just too much information. You don't know what to start with. You do like Pevolve. Yes. It, you like, she She loves Steven's workout. Yes. You like Kim Kelly's workout. Yes, I love Kim's workout. You like th- your workout, The Method. Yeah. It's, it sounds like it's like low resistance. I like Melissa's, uh, Melita, Melissa's workouts Melissa as well. Melissa Woodhouse's yeah. workout. I like what do you workout. not like? She doesn't like high boot camp, high intensity. See, I like to go music. into what you don't like and then figure out why. Because I think there's a lot of people that are told that are given a lot of different pieces of information and they say this is good this so whenever we have someone like you on i, I like to dissect why you don't like things that are maybe you. popular right like if running's popular why you don't like running or if cross training or crossfit's popular why don't you like crossfit and stuff like that okay first of all i'll tell you for example why i don't like boot camp to start with 
I was never completely aware of bootcamp until I started a method and I started recuperating clients that came to me with injuries and injuries from bootcamp. For women, a lot of discal hernias, which is some serious stuff, it really hurts. A lot of um, like problem with the cross ligaments, a uh, lot of neck problems, a lot of shoulders pro shoulder problems. So see it like, you know, the hairstylist that gets all these people that come with a bad haircut and say, fix it for me. You want to know where they're coming from. And the majority of the clients that came to me saying, you know what, I heard Pilates is great for the back. I heard the method is completely recommended by some medical experts. What can you do for my back? Well, the first thing I say is, well, what happened to your back? What have you done? They've done boot camp. It, the now, method aligns your spine too, which is di very different than any other workout. It does. It does. And that's because of a, a medical condition that I had. So I'm, I'm really focused on spinal alignment. Um, because you had scoliosis. I had scoliosis as a child, yes. And I have a corrected scoliosis today. So I don't have scoliosis. It was corrected, not operated on. I wore a brace for four years and I did a lot of abdominal core strengthening and back strengthening to keep the spine from collapsing back. So yeah, it's all about spinal alignment. But my problem with the boot camp, to get back to your question, is the fact that it causes injuries. And two people that aren't properly trained. Two people that are pro aren't properly trained, or I would say not properly conditioned, to do this stuff with the impact that they ask you to do. You need a strong core. You need really, really strong lumbar muscles. Sometimes I watch these women because everybody puts their workout on, you know, on Instagram. I'm super impressed. They're so tiny, and they have those huge discs of weights, and they're like lifting them up and down. And I'm like, you know, does she even have the amount of muscles that you need to lift those up without causing damage to your muscles? I mean, at the end of the day, the muscles get bruised and th that's what you feel. This is why you feel sore. So do you remember, Lauren, when we started to work out? You said to me, oh my God, I'm going to be so sore tomorrow. This is so hard. Do you remember, do you remember what I said? I said, you won't be sore. No, I, you don't feel sore from your workout. You feel, um, you feel lengthened. I feel tight. Yeah which we're going to make you do for five minutes. Don't think I didn't forget about that, Michael. Oh, we, we can maybe get into But today, I'm listen, I'm drinking like wine and Doesn't coffee. Doesn't matter. It's I want to see you in spread eagle with your balls hanging down your leg. <laughs> well, it doesn't, won't take a workout for that. <laughs> <laughs> You've got jokes today. Wow. Jokes Everybody's laughing. I told you, I'm the, I'm the lifeblood of this show, Lauren. Oh, he's pleased that everyone laughed. So, okay. So you believe in workouts that use your own body's resistance. Yes. That, that, that strengthen your spine and your yes. abs. But they're still very intense workouts. You're still working. You really work your muscles from the core deeply. And what is the method just for anyone that's out there listening and wondering? What is it? Yes, if you had to explain so it. It is based on the foundations of Pilates. And the reason why I say the foundations is it, go, it goes back to 100 years old of Pilates knowledge, but bypassing all of the commercial... Uh, changes it's undergone over the years. What I did was is I went back to original Pilates created by Joseph Pilates over 100 years ago. And on the basis of his, I think it was 40 movements, I created the method with the reformer stick. So the reformer stick is actually originally an aqua gym stick. 
Uh, and the reason why I like that is because whatever is meant to be used in water is to give you extra resistance because you know all your movements and weight is easier underwater. So I liked it because it adds resistance. And the geometry of this stick ensures me that my spine's going to be straight no matter what I do, preventing those injuries, but also making sure that we work the muscle deeply, but in length rather than in you know, with. And there's not a lot of lifting or raising the cortisol or loud music no. or Ingrid's voice is obviously you guys can hear so sort of sing song. Like it's like <laughs> very like it's very calm. And so I think that when you do it, you feel very calm, but you're working out. It's weird. It's like a juxtaposition no. sort of thing. It is. It's called Contrology Induction. Contrology originally was the name of Pilates given by Joseph Pilates. And it is on the basis that the mind controls the body. If you go on my website, it says the method in very small and the big sign says the mind controls the body. Um, and I've created something derived from that because it had to be based on really good foundations. I wasn't just going to come up with something from the top of my head. Um, I created something called Contrology Integration. And what that is, is it's inspired from all the work that I've done with my son, Dylan, who, by the way, we've got to give him credit. He's completely normal today. He was accepted to one of the best law schools in the UK. Um, he graduated here as a valedictorian with honors, got his baccalaureate, and he's completely normal, speaks three languages fluently when we were told he would never. But when we were going through all of these therapies for is learning disability. I actually took night classes in Brooklyn College of Special Education to try and get through to him. Um, everything we were dealing with had to do with cognitive. So cognitive is mind to body. And I'm using everything that I've learned to get through to Dylan um, with Joseph Pilates' con Contrology. And this is how I get you to do these movements you never thought you could do. And I know you know what I'm talking about. So the, so the voice is the same voice that you practice to use on Dylan? Yes. Okay, that so makes sense. So before we wrap this up, what would you say, with all the clients that you've worked out with and trained and helped, what do you see the three most common mistakes or challenges that they come to you with? Okay. The first challenge is thinking that because you're not running, jumping, lifting, you're not going to get the body you want. People would associate that with yoga, but that's only until they do the first session. Because when you look at it, we look like we're having a great time and just doing some fun positions. It looks positions. effortless. It looks effortless. But once you start... No, it looks hard. I mean, to me, it looks hard. Well, well you're <laughs> going to find out in a couple minutes, aren't you? <laughs> no, to me, it looks hard. To me, it does not look effortless. He's just trying to be nice, yeah. so we'd be nice yeah. to him. No, we're no. not going to be nice to you. <laughs> but that's... You that's guys don't need to prove it to me. I get it. <laughs> nope, it's gonna we're going to prove it. Don't you worry. <laughs> so they um, think that if they don't do the yeah. traditional things that they can't be in shape yeah. and you tell them otherwise. People have a tendency to want to be extra, extra. You know, I've said this before. So extra, extra, so the body will respond. And I have this completely different philosophy about the body, like treat it well and it will reciprocate. So that's the first thing. Then I have the big thing with, I've had a client and I realized there was a few of them. She's an Italian woman and she was coming to sessions like three times a week. And at first I saw her body lengthening. She, she arrived a little bit like not bulky because some bulk can be really pretty on really muscular women, but she complained to me that she felt pudgy. And at first I said to her, 
what you're complaining about, the midsection, the budge could be water retention, it could be hormones, could be things like that. But let's see. And at first, I started seeing her results with the method. And at some point, I saw that she was hitting a plateau. And I said to her, like, what's going on? Like, what are you eating? So she was like, you know what? I eat grilled fish every day, vegetables. And she goes, oh, and in the morning, I'm having this protein shake and a banana before I come for the workout. And I was like, bingo, this is the problem. Why are you supplementing your diet with protein? We already eat so much protein, especially here in Europe. People are not vegetarians here. Like, so everybody eats fish and, uh, you know, seafood. You so Yeah, when I come here, I eat a lot of seafood. A yeah. lot of meat and all of it is great quality. So we I'm gonna eat I'm going to have you lift that. the bling off the table. Oh, then make a noise. You should have told me I would take a note before. That's what you were looking at before. I'm like, wow, he likes my That's just because, because I'm an audio nerd <laughs> oh now. My but, God. but it's still, keep, keep going. I was like, wow, I think we you're were, getting bracelets, Lauren. We I told we, you he was bad with we, so. we were on the fish. So, you know, like she was supplementing and she was having them before the workout, which I really don't like. I, I feel like people should work out on an empty stomach. So a lot of people say yeah, that, that we've yeah. interviewed. Yeah, I know. A uh, lot of the, the professionals and the medical experts say that. But people say still are under the impression that you need to eat a banana before you work out, right. or, which is not good. I've always, I got, I got into, I don't remember which podcast it was we were doing, where I got some flack from some, because I tend to not eat before I work out. I, because I work out in the morning when I wake up and usually I have just like a coffee or something, um, like a tea or a coffee in the morning. And that gets me through my entire workout. Like I feel like I have the energy. I don't need to have something. It's Another brilliant. autobiography by Michael Bostick. No, because I, I hear, I <laughs> heard this, right. I heard the same thing from a lot of trainers that I worked out with as, when I was younger and they said, you need to eat something before you go to the gym. And I was like, I don't feel That's the good doing way. that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was like, I have the energy in the morning without it. And then usually I'll eat after I work out. I do want to mention something that a lot of people have asked questions about that we have to talk about, which is intermittent fasting. Yes. Because you're the one that suggested that I try that and I've tried it for the last two months. I feel like I can speak on it now in, a, in an educated way, but I would like for you to explain what it is and why it's important. Okay. I think that a lot of people are going to want to so know. So first, you know, when I spoke to you about it, I was extra cautious because I do know that it's difficult to tell people not to eat. Yeah. We, you and know. It's a, be careful. You, you have to be careful how you frame it because yeah. even I talked about it recently and I didn't realize that I was doing it a little bit yeah. or intermittent fasting, but it's, I think the best way to preface is it's not starving yourself. It's no. just taking a period of time exactly. to break. Giving your digestion well, a break. you're not actually ta- eating less calories. You're just eating them at different times in yes, the day. Yes, you're just so allowing your body. that's very important to say that. Yes. Because people, tr- you know, have struggled with, you know, anorexia, bulimia. So you have to be really careful, especially as a professional. But not, I'm not a medical professional. It doesn't mean eating you less. Know. It no. just means taking a longer break. Exactly. So it has to be very clear. And I just recently started writing about it. You prompted me to write about it. And I was very hesitant because I didn't want to be blamed by some mother for her daughter becoming anorexic. Because if you don't, you know, go within the guidelines, understanding that it's not a diet, it is not a calorie deficit. On the contrary, it's just a digestive rest for a few hours and then you catch up. So um, intermittent fasting is great for two things first it gives you mental clarity in the morning and it makes you extremely performant Um, it also helps you dig into your reserves from the meal you ate the day before rather than what you just ate so like 
think about like whatever you would eat something and go work out you're only burning what's on the superficial you know top of your body but if you haven't eaten anything and your digestive system has rested and your cortisol level from the digesting system the digestive system resting your cortisol level has stayed low you're actually really um getting the best out of your workout and that's where all this energy comes from so explain exactly how you do it so everyone knows exactly what the hours are so let's go to dinner okay so you have dinner at like let's say 8 p.m or 8 30 p.m and you have dinner protein fiber whatever it is normal dinner dessert three bite rules <laughs> you know say the three bite rule really quick stuff three bite rules like so if you want to have dessert i know a lot of people talk about it but i have a saying about it it's like you take one bite to say hello one bite to enjoy it and the third bite to say, say goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> and it works for me um <laughs> so you have dinner and then you just you know go about your evening and go to bed wake up in the morning and technically, you should not be eating until 1 p.m. So I work out, as you know, and I work out with every single one of my clients because the method is intricate. It's very difficult to explain. You can't explain it without demonstrating. So I do the sessions with my client. So I realized that for me, because I'm starting with a client at like 7.30 or 8 a.m., usually an athlete, so it's going to be a tough session. And then I go on to my next client, on to my next client, and to another client. Sometimes I would not eat anyways until Wh- 1. What do you do if you wake up and you're starving? Then you eat? Then you eat. Yeah. You don't deprive yourself. So what I would, what I've done that before. I just feel like eating. So then I'll take out like a date or a fig. Because I think that's another thing to, I think that's another thing to call action to because. You have yeah. to intuitive, intuitively well, The idea, like for me, when I do it, I usually do 15 to 16 hour breaks. Yeah. But if I wake up and I'm hungry and it's been 10 hours, then, then, I, then I eat. But that's where the inulin coffee comes in. That's yeah. how, that's where I was going to get to well, first. Because I think when people inulin. hear break, they go, okay, well then yeah. they're forcing themselves they're forcing themselves and And, and just if you guys want to know we're putting a video up on our youtube channels that is all about the inulin but you do get into a rhythm like for me like 14 hours is easy like if i if i eat dinner at eight and i don't eat something else till 10 in the morning like that's that's 14 hours and that's really easy i'm very like low on stress because i don't have to think about what i'm eating it's exactly 16 gets a little tight like that's that's when it's like okay that's the farthest 16 i'm turning into a hungry bitch but uh, i'll just take it out on you but i'm saying 14 (laughs) like if you if you really think about it like if you eat dinner at eight o'clock and you wake up and you don't eat something till 10 a.m you know wake up maybe wake up it's not it's not that big of a stretch but if you're hungry you can eat a lot of it is the mind. Again, yeah. it's like the mind controls the body. People have been completely programmed to believe that, oh, you have to get up and get a big breakfast. I and, never you know. understood that. But but people are programmed with it. So automatically when you're programmed That's to do marketing. that. That's and, marketing. Yes. And you go into fasting, you're hungry because mm-hmm. you're programmed to think, well, usually you're supposed to get a healthy breakfast. Make sure you get a huge breakfast. But the truth is this huge breakfast weighs you down because you get on all of these programs. You listen to all this noise and everybody has great advice. But when you mix it all together, it's a lot of noise and it kind of makes you take your intuition and put it on a shelf. You forget to be intuitive. You have to do what's right for your body. Exactly. And so what would you say are three things that intermittent fasting does? You said clarity, mental performance. Mental performance. And the most important, you're resting your digestive, your digestive system, uh, attending to your enzymes. And that keeps your cortisol level down because digestion, and I'll get to that. Like, for example, eating a raw carrot 
will bring your cortisol level up. It's hard to digest it. Nobody chews a carrot for, you know, 10 minutes so you can digest it easily. So eating like some crudités, people it's people use this very fancy French word crudités and but if you eat like fennel or a uh, raw carrot like or hard kale or Ugh. no ew <laughs> or like Lauren made this kale the other day it looked uh, like tasted like tree bark <laughs> you tell me I don't cook and then I make you a kale salad felt like, and you felt make like fun razor of blades in my stomach what's the best way to break the fast if you were to suggest to someone what to eat when they've fasted and, and done intermittent fasting okay so there's two things I have to say before I answer that question the reason why I have coffee I had coffee at first. Before I discovered inulin, I just had coffee because caffeine really helps the metabolism. And it the, and athletes like caffeine as well for performance. So I used to have coffee with a little bit of cashew milk. Then I started using the inulin, which is pure fiber. Um, and using that makes you feel so satisfied and satiated because the fiber in the inulin is like a gel texture, so it makes you feel full. Um, at the same time, it's indigestible, like fiber is indigestible, as you know, and you always speak about. Um, so it doesn't affect your digestion. So it doesn't bring your cortisol level up. So, for example, when you're drinking, drinking that coffee, by the time lunchtime comes, you're not starving for carb-rich foods. You want, st like, veggies and you want uh, like maybe a grilled fish or you're really starving for like food that your body needs to be nourished and that's really what you should look for you should look to nourish your body rather than eat emotionally and uh, feeling like entitled to eat because you haven't eaten for so many hours and go, you know what? No, I can have a real plate of You want to just like wolf it down. And, exactly. Because you know. everybody gets this kind of entitlement. Like I just worked out. I spinned for like an hour and a half and I sweat so much. And, you know, and it's the same with intermittent fasting. People tend to feel entitled and then they end up eating so much. But if you do it right and you don't feel famished, that's why coffee helps. And the inulin helps. You don't feel famished. So by the time lunch comes, you're continuing in, you know, this path of just trying to attend to your digestive system and kind of take your weight loss journey on a different level. So exactly. it, it, say someone's going to intermittent fast. What's one meal that you would recommend that you think is great to break it? If you could just say it off the top of your head. So my favorite here is, for example, this, this string bean salad that I make that I absolutely love. What's the recipe? We need exact. So it's, I've posted it. It's, uh, it's on the website. Um, so you make your string beans à l'étouffée. So à l'étouffée means you smother them instead of boiling them, which takes away the nutrients, or instead of, you know, putting it in the oven and bake it which dries it up. You put it in a pot with a little bit of garlic, with a, just a drop of water if you have to, and just smother it for a little while. And once they're no longer crunchy, not as crunchy where they're easy to digest, you take them out, let them get cold, and you put a little bit of French vinaigrette on them and a little bit of pecorino or Parmesan cheese. I love that salad. First of all, it's full of fiber, which is great. You know I love string beans because of that. They make you feel satiated. But there's something about the green vegetable that's very satisfying after you've done intermittent fasting. When you start eating intuitively and doing things for your digestive system rather than your weight loss, your body starts responding with different wants and needs. 
So when you see those green veggies and they're so appealing and you put some cheese on it and give it taste like a little bit of truffle vinaigrette on it or something like that, your body feels happy. Well, what is a book or resource that you would recommend to our audience before we go? A book of resource. Could be a podcast. Could be, um, I, know, I know you liked the book. You told me about that yes, book. with I a And we got to make you. it quick because I'm worried this thing's going to go out of batteries right Okay, now. okay. He's worried that it's going to go out of batteries. So there's this book called The Food Effect. Okay. By The Food Effect Doctor. I think you can find her actually on Instagram, at The Food Effect Doctor. Okay. And I love that book because it's about eating intuitively. You're allowed to eat pasta. You're allowed to eat bread, but just intuitively I love it. And Pimp yourself out. Where, where can, can everyone, everyone find you? Yes. You can find me on Instagram at Ingrid Della Marchini, and you could find my website, themethodmc.com. And we will link everything. Ingrid, it's been fun. Ingrid, as always. you're amazing. Love you guys. With and love now, from Monaco. Happy to have you here. And now we're going to go and have some drinks. Yes. <laughs> Thanks to Ingrid for sharing her story. If you guys want to see specifics like resources, book recommendations, um, our sponsor info, go to tscpodcast.com and make sure you're following along on Instagram at tscpodcast. We share a bunch of fun guest posts there. To win five of my favorite beauty products, let us know your favorite part of this episode on my latest Instagram and I'll DM one of you once a week like I always do. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you've rated and reviewed the show on iTunes. We appreciate the support and we'll see you next week. This episode was brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is your one-stop shop for high-end, high-quality, and highly discounted groceries, supplements, beauty products, and household supplies. Thrive Market guarantees its customers 25 to 50% below retail on all items because it cuts out the middleman. Thrive Market is offering all Skinny Confidential him and her listeners 25% off your first order and free shipping with a one-month trial when you go to thrivemarket.com skinny. Again, that's thrivemarket.com skinny. Happy shopping, everyone, and we will be back next week. This episode was brought to you by Ritual. Ritual is the vitamin brand that's reinventing the experience with nine essential nutrients women lack most. If you're ready to invest in your health, do what I did and go to ritual.com slash skinny. Consider your lifelong health 401k. I really like this vitamin. It's chic, it's minty, and it has everything I need, especially at the D3. Why put anything but clean ingredients backed by real science in your body, guys? Go to ritual.com slash skinny.